0: Fear, not a sign nor a tear, and abide while we trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them. sit at his feet or will walk by his side in the way what he says we will do where he sends, we will go never fear only trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other Be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Thank you,
1: Brother Keith. Let's take our Bibles, if you will, turn to Psalm 119. Psalm one hundred and nineteen. I hope you enjoyed that wonderful lunch together. And boy, my compliments to all the chefs that were cooking today. Boy, it was delicious. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, uh, we can't eat like that every week, or I'll be falling asleep while I'm preaching. So, that was uh, spectacular. Thank you ladies so much for your help with that, and uh, such a blessing. Psalm 119, and uh, I want to encourage you, Wednesday, this past Wednesday, we began um, at least a two-week, it may go to three-week series on Uh, Living by Bible Principles, and um, I think it's very vital for people in the church to understand and know uh, the importance of living by Bible principle, but probably uh, the most important part of the study is going to be as we take some time to uh, teach how to find and apply those Bible principles to our lives. Uh, Most of us don't have a hard time finding Bible principles, but I, I don't know if are in the same boat I'm in, but the hardest thing I find with them is how to get them to be incorporated into our life on a regular basis. And uh, I think that's one of the failures that most Christians fa- face when they're uh, reading Scripture. Uh, we have a knowledge of what God's Word says, but uh, the process we go through to incorporate that into our lives is oftentimes flawed and, and weak at best. Uh, so I want to encourage you, uh, We'll not be here this Wednesday. Uh, But the week from this coming Wednesday, we'll do our second lesson on that. And we may finish it up. If not, we'll go one extra week beyond that. Um, But I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last Wednesday, maybe go back and listen to the the first week of it. And that will kind of get you ready for uh, the rest of it as we deal with it. But we're living in a day where a lot of Christians are evaluating their uh, walk with God by measuring their distance from the world. And the problem with that is the world continues to get worse and worse. So if that is our measuring stick, uh, then we're getting worse and worse. And we've got to come back and make the standard or the rule uh, that we measure by the Word of God. Uh, It doesn't move. It doesn't change. And so the importance of that, I want to encourage you in that uh, on Wednesday nights, if you will. Psalm so 119, and we're going to be this afternoon we're going to deal with uh, the topic. And again, we've tried to make um, the afternoon services uh, a very practical help, uh, more of a step-by-step type of a thing, and uh, making it to where it gives us some Bible ways and methods to accomplish some of the things that we preach about a lot, uh, and we know that we ought to do them, but we don't always know how to do them. How do we go about doing that? Uh, Today, I'm going to deal with the topic of uh, how God uses trials in our life. Uh, We talk about the fact that there are times that trials are coming into our lives, but what is it that God is trying to accomplish through it? Uh, And there are some things that the Bible tells us and gives us. Uh, You know, in the book of Job, we find that God was uh, really bragging on Job, would be the best way to describe it, by putting him through trials, wasn't he? Uh, he was trying to to show uh, Satan uh, how faithful Job was, um, but certainly we could say that God was also testing Job. I think would be an adequate, uh, an accurate statement. Um, we don't believe that from the book of Job that God was chastening Job. In fact, his friends thought that, his wife thought that, uh, just curse God and die. Obviously, you've done something really bad to get God angry at you. And uh, Trying to know why God or what God is trying to accomplish through a trial is sometimes hard to hard to discern, isn't it? It's hard to know um, and i've I've often wondered uh, I preached a message years ago on are we a job or a Jonah, and the idea between the difference of the two suffering and one was suffering because he did that, which was right, the other one was suffering because he was running from the presence of the Lord, and how to know which is which I mean we go through trials it I don't know about you, but I want to know. <laughs> Lord, am I, are you trying to tell me I'm doing something wrong here that I need to correct? Or uh, you know, are you just testing me? Are you trying to prove my faithfulness and make sure that I'm faithful in those things? And it's not always the easiest to discern that. Um, so I'm going to give you five things that I think the Bible talks about here um, of the ways that God uses trials in our life and, and things that we can benefit from it. Uh, Again, this is probably not an exhaustive list. I'm certain there are probably other things we could find in Scripture as well. But this will give us a good launching point and and an ability to learn a little bit about uh, some of this. So let's look with, with me, if you will. Psalm 119 and verse number 67. Psalm 119 and verse number 67. The psalmist says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Father, we pray that You'll bless the message this afternoon, that it will instruct us in righteousness, that we will learn from it, that it will be something that will help us in our Christian walk in life to be more of what we ought to be. And Lord, our our heart's desire is to be all that we can be for You, that we, we would be pleasing to You. Lord, we certainly do not want to be a reproach to You. And so I pray that You would help us through the leading of Your Holy Spirit, the teaching of Your Word, Uh, to know and to understand these truths that will help us to become more of what we should be, and that we would glean from the things that you bring into our lives uh, the lessons that you want us to learn from them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We find here that there is certainly a time where uh, it is possible for you and I to uh, drift in our walk with God. We've spoken a little bit about that this morning, uh, about the importance of our walk with God. But there's the tendency of drifting. In fact, the Bible teaches it quite often. Uh, Paul, in his letter to Timothy, uh, told Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. In other words, he was saying, Timothy, you're not lacking anything. You just need it to be stirred up. Uh, it's grown cold. There's some things that maybe need to be rekindled, if you will. Uh, the psalmist said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uh, if something has to be restored, that means it used to be something that it is not right now. And we need it to become more of what it used to be. And the truth is, if we evaluate our, our Christian lives, a lot of times we will find where there is a decline in fervency. Uh, we are, by, I guess it's human nature, by human nature, I guess, we have the tendency, by repetitive things, to grow apathetic to them. And so sometimes church attendance may become uh, just routine. Maybe we just go through the motions. I I found this, and I hate to say it, but there have been times that my prayer life has become routine. I've gone through the motions of praying. Uh, There are times that our devotion time, our time where we spend reading Scripture and uh, trying to have a quiet time with God, uh, becomes a, a monotonous, almost something we do out of habit, instead of really communing heart to heart and face to face with God. And so there are times where the psalmist said this, that uh, he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. And even though he's a man after God's own heart, if we look at David's life, uh, I would love to be known as a man after God's own heart. Uh, David was. And God loved David in a very special way, very unique way. And yet David was not, was not infallible, was he? Uh, He was weak. He was just like you and I. He uh, committed adultery. He committed murder, if you want to look at it that way, and having Uriah the Hittite killed. Uh, And yet, he he still longed for God. He still had a heart for God, even in spite of those things. And so there are times that when God brings trials into our lives, it is for no other purpose than to bring our hearts in tune back to Him. Uh, There is a reliance in our Christian lives, at least I hope there is, there ought to be, a reliance on when we are in need that we run to Christ, we run to the Savior, and uh, we, we ask for His help and His guidance and His strength. Uh, far too often we try to get through and muddle through on our own, though, I've found. Uh, but we ought to be trying to to, uh, to to follow after God in the sense that when there's a trial, when there's a burden, when I'm... When I'm weak, then I need to run to Him. Um, there were some instances in my life several years ago, and I've shared it with a few people before, about how closely I was to a decision of just saying, Lord, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. The, the pain is too great. The, the suffering is too much. And and the temptation is there. And I know some people have been there, and, and maybe some of you have been there. And, and the temptation that there is there. And, and when that moment comes... We're going to make one of two choices. We're either going to get angry and bitter at God and run from it and say, you know what, uh, I'm through, I'm done with all this. Or we're going to run to Him and say, the only way I'm going to make it through this is if I have His strength, because there is no other way I'm going to make it through this. And I will say this, the sweetest part, in hindsight, is when you look back at the times that you've run to Christ, and He's used that trial, He's used that time to draw our hearts close back to Him again. And I'll tell you, some of the sweetest times of fellowship with God are the times right after the trial has brought us to our knees. Right after the time that that trial has drawn our hearts to Him. And oh, there's some sweet fellowship during that time, isn't it? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could live that way where that sweet fellowship was there all the time? I wish we could. And, uh, but there are times, and obviously the psalmist went through it, Timothy went through it, Others in Scripture that we find where God has uh, mentioned to them, the church at Laodicea certainly went through it, uh, where God's wanting them to come back and and uh, and uh, to get back to their first love and all this thing and trying to get back to where they need to be, and uh, so there is that that issue that even among God's people, there can be a falling away of our relationship with God, our our fervency of spirit, if we can put it that way, the fervency of the Christian life. And uh, I think that um, we live in a day where it is very tempting to go through the motions and what I call playing church. Uh, a lot of people come to church because they know they're supposed to. Or they're worried about what the crowd that they identify with will think about them if they are not faithful to church. Can I tell you, those, neither one of those are motivations to attend church. We need to attend church because we love God. And we want to spend time with Him and around His people and around His Word. And there needs to be a fervency of spirit. So sometimes God will bring trials into our way uh, and afflict us for no other reason than to bring us back. Because it's, so the psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, meaning after the affliction has come, but now have I kept thy word. God used it to bring the psalmist back to him. And he will do that in your life and in my life. I would far rather stay um, on fire for God and not have to go through those times. But God knows us. And he knows that we have to go through some of those times. All right, secondly, look with me in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter number 3. And this kind of goes along a little bit with what we were speaking of in the morning service. Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 29, we find the story of the three Hebrew boys. And they take a stand for God. They go through the fiery furnace. They certainly would be ones that we would look at and say, okay, they went through a trial in their life. What does God use that for in our lives? And uh, look with me, if you will, in verse number 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, uh, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Uh, The second way that we find that God can use trials in our lives is that it allows us to point others to him. It allows us to point others to Him, either by word or by action. And uh, I'm reminded years ago, my, uh, my Aunt uh, Dot, which was actually my dad's aunt, but we all called her Aunt Dot. She got up in years, and she got to where she couldn't, uh, she couldn't live by herself anymore. Uh, my, va- my favorite memories of my Aunt Dot, uh, when I was just a little, little boy, just probably four or five years old, we'd go home to visit my mom and dad's church, home church that they were from in Indiana, and my Aunt Dot was the superintendent of the Sunday school, era, the, the junior age Sunday school department. And I was always in her class. Boy, I loved to be in her class. She just made the Bible come alive. It was one of those, she loved kids and she loved God. And my Aunt Dot, there was never a time that I ever talked to my Aunt Dot. It didn't matter whether I was in Sunday school or if we just went over to her house on Sunday afternoon or on a Monday night for dinner. You weren't in her house more than three sentences of speech before she started talking about how good God was. And she would just talk and talk and talk. And I mean, for hours on end, if you had, you had to know, every family's got one like this, I think. If you can't think of the one that's in your family, then you're it. Uh, but you talk and talk and talk and talk, and, and then she just goes on for hours. I, I would sit there, I, my ears would get tired listening to her. But the thing I loved about being around my Aunt Dot is she would never stop talking about the Lord. I mean, you'd sit there and five hours later, she's still going on about how good God is. She got up in years, and she was in her 90s and couldn't live by herself anymore. And uh, they put her in a nursing home. And boy, you know, you think most people, they're giving up their independence. Boy, that's a hard decision. And so after a few months of her being there, I was up in the Indiana area, and I thought, I'm going to swing by and see my Aunt Dot. And so I went a couple hours out of my way, drove over and and went into the nursing home and expected to see her in her room uh, kind of... uh, you know, depressed and upset that she's living in the nursing home. I went to her room. She wasn't there. And it was probably mid-morning. And I went to the the nurse's station. I said, I'm looking for uh, Dorothy Sturgis. She's my Aunt Dot, and I want to see her. She's in the the rec room, and she's got almost every person in that uh, nursing home all gathered around, and she's telling them how good God is. And I mean, she, she was the preacher of the nursing home, so to speak. Not that we believe in ladies' preachers. But she took a situation that was a trial that to, to most people would be something that would be discouraging and maybe even bring depression into their life. And she just looked at it as another opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. I walked up to her, and she saw me walk in the room. Her face lit up. She said, Greggy. She always called me Greggy. She said, come on over here, nephew. And she introduced me to the people. She said, boy, we're just sitting here rejoicing about what God is doing. And uh, for the next hour or so, I sat there while she just sat there and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked about how good God was. And then we went back to her room, we spent another little bit of time, and she just every time I'd ask about her or the kids or relatives, she'd make a statement or two about it and then write back to God again. She passed away a number of years ago, several years ago now. And I thought, why can't we live that way? Why can't we live in such a way that it doesn't matter what happens in life? We just love our God that much. There's these three Hebrew boys. They are put to the test. They are put in a trial. I love what they said to the king. They said, we will not bow. Being known unto thee, O king, (laughs) our God will deliver us. But if not, we are not going to bow. And you know what? God used that trial to help them. Share the gospel with other people. We saw it in Daniel's life this morning, didn't we? Because of a simple act of faith, being faithful to God, it affected an entire world at hearing the gospel. I wonder what would happen if God could use those trials in our lives to praise Him, to tell others about Him. Look with me, if you will, in Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And look with me down around verse number uh, let's go to uh, verse number ten. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, notice this, for our prophet, that we might be partakers of his what? His holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it what yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The third thing that God uses trials for is to prepare us for growth in the spiritual life to exercise things, to cause us to be at a place where he says in verse number 10, for verily a few days, or verse number 11, no chasing for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Can I tell you this? There are times that God brings trials into our lives for no other reason than to get us to grow. To get us to become more of what we ought to be. That happens as we put our dependence upon Him through those trials. That happens as we have faith in Him during those trials. To look at Him and to be able to rejoice for what it is. Understanding this, that God is always good and God is always right. Everything that He does is for our good and for His glory. Everything. And if it's chastening, it's for our good and His glory. If it's the testing of our faith, it's for our good and His glory. And when that trial comes, when that burden comes in our life, God uses it to draw us back to Himself. He uses it many times to help point others to Him. And sometimes He uses it to prepare us so that we can grow more in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Now, I want us to understand something as we look in Proverbs chapter 25, that there are times that He uses it to purify us. Look with me in in Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs chapter 25, and verse number 4. The Bible says, Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. I'm reminded as I read this passage of the fact that Jesus referred to us as vessels, some of gold and some of silver, and some of earth and some of stone. Out of those four vessels, some of them have preeminence, some of them are lower in status, but out of those four vessels, some of them are vessels of honor and some of them are vessels of dishonor. And only the vessels of honor, those that are cleansed, those that are are meat for the Master's use, are able to be used by God. And there comes a time in our lives where we ought to come on a fairly regular basis, in my opinion, and I believe the Bible teaches this, that there ought to, on a fairly regular basis, be a time where we come to God and we say, Lord, search my heart. Um, We get comfortable in our sin, don't we? So much so that sometimes we don't even think about it anymore. We just are so involved in it that it doesn't even bother us anymore. And there are times that we need to come to God and say, Lord, search my heart. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And I'll promise you this. Every time you pray that, God has a way of showing it to us, doesn't he? He always has a way of showing it to us. But, but if we're not careful, we'll, we'll get so used to our sin. I, I've said so often, the worst sin that there is is the sin that somebody else has. It's never mine. And that's the way we feel about our sin, isn't it? It's never my sin. My sin's not that bad. I, because I have it. It's, it's not a big deal. And so we tend to cover our sins. We tend to excuse our sins and to justify our sins. God sometimes will bring trials into our life for a purifying effect. For us to get to the place where we stop and we do say, Lord, is there something that I need to know here? Is there something you're trying to teach me? Something that you're trying to make sure that uh, I take and, and get right with you? Um, he told Paul when he was on the road to Damascus, he said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And yet I wonder how often in our Christian lives we are guilty of kicking against the pricks and we get so used to it that we fail to even see it anymore. We need to have times, we need to have moments where we come to God. And I think it ought to become something that we put on a calendar, that we make a regular thing, that we, that we do as regular as we do our devotion time or our walk with God time. That we have moments, marked moments, that we don't forget them. Where we come to God and we say, God, I'm going to set this time aside. And I want nothing more than for you to search me. I want you to show me the things that I need to work on in my life. I want you to show me the things that I'm, I'm at fault in. Uh, there was a, years ago I had a, a plaque that somebody had bought for me. It was just a, one of those humorous statements And it said, those of you who think you know everything are are, uh, obnoxious or frustrating to those of us who really do. And the idea being that we tend to think higher of ourselves, don't we? That we're always right. In fact, I used to tell my wife uh, the only time I ever remembered being wrong was when I thought I was wrong and I was really right. So that was the only time I was really wrong. And, you know, we laugh and cut up about that. But the sad fact of the matter is, it is, it is the human nature to not think that we are wrong. We try to justify how we're right. And there are times that we need to get serious with God and we need to have a, a, a sobering time and a, a humbling time where we say, you know what, Lord, I'm not here to try to excuse or justify my sin. I, I seriously just want to know what it is so I can deal with that and, and get on with this thing of growing in your grace. And I think it does us well to, from time to time on a fairly regular basis. It may be daily for some of us. It may be weekly or it may be monthly. But, but there needs to be regular times where we come to God and we say, Lord, search my heart. Uh, try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And, and I promise you, God will do it. He, he has a way through His Holy Spirit of showing us sometimes glaringly so, doesn't He? And I will say it doesn't come without some humiliation especially when we realize how long we've been doing it and not realized that we've even been doing it. And it takes a little bit of swallowing our pride a little bit and saying, you know what, I was wrong there. I was, I was talking with my son the other day and he made a statement about something that we were observing and uh, I can't remember now what it was. I was trying to think what it was. And, uh, and I knew that it was, oh, we were talking about how the space shuttle reentered into the atmosphere. That's what it was. Weird thing to talk about, but we were talking about it. He said dad it, it re-enters the atmosphere upside down. I said no no it doesn't enter upside down. Uh and uh so he said no I, it does I promise. He pulled up a video and he showed me this video and it proved him wrong. <laughs> and I said so Jonathan you were r- 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 wrong and dad was what? Dad was right, you know and, and he wouldn't say it. he started laughing and chuckling and I was like you were what? And he's like I just I, I You were what, Jonathan? Well, Dad, it was... What, Jonathan? You were... And he's like, I was not as right as I thought I was. (laughs) Because we don't like to admit that we're wrong. And there are times that even though we don't like to admit it, we need to. We need to come and say, Lord, show me. And and, and out out of a sincere heart, I want to know. Because my desire, my heart's desire is I want to please you. And I don't want there to be something that I'm i am I'm either so used to that I don't see it anymore or something that I am not aware of. And I promise you He'll show it to you. You can't hardly read God's Word without finding something. It, very rarely do I ever come to God's Word that I don't say, boy, there's an area I've got to work on. And so I want to encourage us in that. The last one we find is in the book of Malachi, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Second Corinthians chapter number 1. Sorry, I gave the uh, wrong, wrong verse there. Uh second Corinthians chapter number one. The second Corinthians chapter one. Verse number four. Paul said, let's back up to verse number two Grace be unto you, or grace be to you, and peace from God our Father. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Another way that God uses trials in our life is to help us understand the heartache of others and to be a comfort to them. I, uh, <clears throat> when my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and uh, we knew the prognosis, and unless God made a, uh, a miracle happen, that he was probably going to die from pancreatic cancer. Uh, We began to pray fervently, and God did not choose to heal him. And the thing that really was a burden for me and our family specifically was how long, how prolonged the illness was and how much absolute pain and suffering that he went, went through. And to the point where it broke our hearts. And there were nights God and I had some really pretty intense talks. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but uh, I'm glad God is long-suffering because there were times he and I argued a little bit at night. Why in the world would, would he do that to my dad and somebody who had given his life just sacrificially for 40 years to pastor a church and to, and to help people? And I just didn't understand it. I struggled with that. I really had a hard time. And um, he went into a coma. No food, no water. And the doctor said it will be You know, five to seven days. He was 16 days in a coma. The doctors couldn't explain it. They didn't understand why. And we were sitting there struggling as a family, thinking, Lord, please, just take Him. You know, at this point, just take Him. Don't make Him suffer. Don't make Him go through this. And I struggled with that. I asked God why an awful lot. After my dad died, I still didn't understand A couple months after my dad passed away, a gentleman that was in our church, a fairly new Christian, had only been saved about a year and a half. His wife came down with terminal cancer, prolonged illness. And I was able to go to their bedside and sit with them day after day and hold their hands and say, I understand. I was able to share with them some things that God had given me that helped me immensely and comforted my heart. That to be honest with you, if I had not gone through it, I wouldn't have known what to say. I wouldn't have known what to do. I couldn't have been a help to those folks. We got done with that. She passed away and I was able to share and help Tommy with the grieving process and he and I became very dear friends. In fact, to this day, in fact, he'll, he'll hear that I'm coming to, to Fort Pierce here this week. And he'll make a point to come see me when I'm in Fort Pierce this week. There's never a time I'm down there. He doesn't come and spend some time with me. A couple months later, about two or three months later, we had a family in our school. Didn't go to our church. Didn't go to church at all. But they had their kids in our school. They called me up one day. I said, Pastor, my dad just had a massive heart attack in the shower. He was healthy as a horse. Just had a massive heart attack and died. They said, we sure wish you'd come over and help us with the family. And I was able to go to their house and sit with them and say, I understand and helped them with some things that God had helped me with. We had their funeral. They asked me to do the funeral. The sweet funeral. The dad was saved. And so we praised the Lord for that. A couple of the family members trusted Christ through that ordeal. And I thanked the Lord for that opportunity. About two months after that, we had another family in our church. The lady came home. She had gone shopping. Her husband had been out mowing the grass. He came home and he was laying on the floor of the bathroom and had already passed. He'd come in from mowing and had looked up on the Internet symptoms of a heart attack, so apparently he knew that he was struggling and went and tried to take a shower. And I was able to sit with that family and say, I understand. We had the funeral. And about two months later, We had a fourth family, similar situation. And about the third or fourth, I can't remember, it was almost as if God said, Greg, this is why. You were asking me a year ago why? This is why. And I thought, you know, I could have never helped those people or been a comfort to them had I not known what their grief was. And there are times God brings trials in our lives because He knows we can handle it and He can give grace to us knowing that there will come somebody across our path that will need that comfort and that grace. And we may be that one. I don't know what grief God has brought you through in your life, but can I tell you this? It's never a time to be bitter. Because every time it's for our good, and every time it's for His glory. We may not see it at the moment that it's happening. But these are things that the Bible tells us are ways that God uses the trials of our life. And I'll bet you, but I'm so thankful He shares that with us. Because if we didn't know some of these things, it'd be really hard to get through some of those trials, wouldn't it? If we didn't realize that it was for our good and for His glory, it'd sure be hard to get through them. But I'm thankful that He takes the trials and He is able to get glory and He is able to be a help to us through every one of them. So I hope that will be a help to you this afternoon. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. Lord, we are thankful for the trials. As Paul wrote, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Lord, I pray that You would help us to rejoice in tribulation, to have joy through the trials, not because they are pleasant to go through, but because we understand and recognize that it is You working in our lives for one or more of these reasons that You've given to us. And so, Father, I pray that You would help us to go through this life, even through the times of trial, with great grace and understanding how Your workings are with our lives. Knowing that we may not always understand, even in this life, but we can always trust that Your will was done. And so, Lord, I pray that You would help that to bring a comfort and enjoyed our hearts as we go through some of these trying times. I pray that you'll dismiss us now with your blessings. Help us to leave with the thoughts and the messages and the truth upon our hearts that they will be a help throughout this week. And Lord, most importantly, may you bring across our path this week someone that we can share the gospel with and take the opportunity to tell them about your great goodness and your love for them. We pray that you'll dismiss us now with your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.